What is going on, everybody? Luke Dugan here. I am your host. And in today's episode, we are joined by the lovely Natalie Cromie. Now, many of you may already know who she is, because if you know who I am, you'll probably know who she is. But if not, she is someone that I've known for about four or five years now. And we both kind of found each other, you know, becoming friends and, and acquaintances and, and colleagues and whatever you want to call it through Amazon, you know, selling online. But ultimately, this is about touching over that a little, but more about breaking down stuff to do with the future, the family family, future goals, goal setting, you know, everyone in their life usually has something they're trying to strive for as little as it may be or as big as it may be. And it's good just to talk behind the scenes to these, you know, these entrepreneurs who are successful and see what their goals are and how they change um, as people progress through their life and then what their uh, long-term, short-term and medium-term goals are. And it's really good to have a good chat with her because actually we not only know each other really well, but when we actually talk, it's actually really fun and we're quite quite laid back and we chat about other things that aren't just strictly business I guess you could call it which is the whole point of this podcast we want to have a bit of fun as well so yeah I hope you enjoy it and let's go What is going on, everybody? Luke here. So today we are joined by Natalie Cromie, and I'm just going to let her take it away and just give you know everyone out there a little bit of an overview about her, or she's going to give you an overview about her, um, who she is and, and what she does. So yeah, Natalie, do you want to let the audience know a little bit more? Indeed. Hi, everyone. My name is Natalie, and Luke has kindly invited me onto this podcast to talk a little bit about myself, my business, what I do in this kind of area. And yeah, I'm excited because this is the first podcast I've ever done. So really excited to, you know, have a look at this kind of different way of doing things as we're used to doing things on video and streams and things like that. So excited to explore this and just find out a little bit more about uh, me and, and what I do. So um, I've been a entrepreneur or whatever you want to call it for the last, you know, 20 years, essentially. I've, I've always been someone who's been interested in business, being my own boss, running my own business and you know just being in charge of of my own destiny uh, we've been doing that full time since 2008 so myself and my husband both run businesses that are uh, responsible for putting food on the table paying our mortgage and we've been doing that solely uh, since 2008 which is you know coming up to 14 years now um before that i was always uh, you know always had our own businesses, more kind of side hustles and things like that. But it was in 2008, that's when we really decided that we wanted to uh, give this a go and, and work on our own projects. And throughout those last 14 years, to be perfectly honest, we've tried most things, you know, what worked for us and what, what didn't work for us. There were things that worked and things that didn't. And, you know, it's been a bit of a, a emotional roller coaster in terms of, you know, finding out what worked, like I said, and what didn't work. And, you know, over that period of time, we've sold um, physical products, we've sold digital products, we've had an award winning distribution company. And we found, you know, we finally found ourselves finding our Amazon home because that's predominantly of our business where we focus now it was around six years ago uh, something like that that's when we discovered uh, arbitrage on Amazon and ever since then again we've covered most of the different types of selling models on Amazon and uh, yeah that's kind of where we are now um, I also uh, as you know some of you might know me through my connection with Luke I work closely with Luke we run an exclusive paid membership Facebook site for the people who want to learn about 
about advanced ways of selling on Amazon. So we do that together as well. And then I also am content director of a Facebook group, which again is focusing on on the Amazon side of things. So yeah, that that's pretty much it from a business point of view. Whenever you say, what was it, content director? I know. <laughs> it just it, it sounds like I don't know what it, it just reminds me of like someone at like Disney or like yeah. like someone I don't know why I brought Disney up but you know they have like really like I, I know content directors is probably quite a common job now but you know mm-hmm. going back a little bit further it's normally one of those like creativity director and all that kind of thing sometimes you have it's like it, I don't know what it reminds me of it's just <laughs> like I do you ever always use, maybe I can't remember what it's called now there used to be this it was like I forgot what it's called there's like a dance pro a, a dance school program on tv and there was this gay guy on it and he used to act so flamboyant and he was literally like creative director or whatever he, uh, was. I know he, didn't, really, he didn't really do anything as such <laughs> he just went around just being like himself and like dancing and just like and like so when, I, for some reason whenever i like hear any of those kind of words I, I just think of like that kind of job or whatever you want to call it like yeah that kind of a uh, lifestyle i don't know what it was do you know what t- program i'm talking about yeah i know exactly what you're talking about and he used to go around just doing the splits all the time and he was like this yeah. his name was Louis Spence and yeah that's the one yeah pineapple dance studios that's I the used one to yeah <laughs> and I just I just think of him like I think he was yeah. like creative director or something at the time yeah that's that's exactly what uh, I, I know it's not exactly the same thing but you know that kind of that kind of thing I just anything that I, like related to that I'm like but anyway do, so do you do you and Matt have separate businesses as well do you just share everything do you work together like do you do maybe do not share everything but do you work I mean do you work together on everything you do or do you have separate bits no we have separate businesses so we work um individually from each other and we also work together so in terms of a split probably it's 50 50 so 50 percent of the time we work together 50 percent of the time we work on our own individual products so like elite sellers academy i work with you on that whereas matt does have uh, an impact uh, you know an input on elite sellers academy but that is considered to be my business you know the amazon selling side of things is considered to be uh, more my business on this side He's more involved in the US side of selling. Um, but Matt is more behind the scenes kind of guy, whereas I do everything uh, up front and, you know, I'm the kind of face of everything, whereas Matt does everything behind the scenes. But yeah, no, absolutely. 50% of the time he works with me. 50% of the time he works on his own projects. So sometimes you don't really know what he's, I mean, you probably obviously you know what he does, but you don't always know. I don't know what he does, no. Oh, you don't? <laughs> <laughs> so he could so he could be like, you know, in one year he could go and make half, like, no, this is a bit of extreme. He could go and make half a million and he could be like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and he's just going to, he's going to give himself a dividend. He might put it into like, you know, he might pay a friend that's a direct, you know, he might add a friend on pay them and be like, yeah, like just keep it quiet and we're just. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. No. Uh, of course I know what he's doing no Matt tends to concentrate on like I said behind the scenes things he does consultation work for a lot of areas outside of Amazon and yeah he just we wouldn't be able to work together as husband and wife as parents because we've got two lovely kids as well we just wouldn't be able to be in each other's pockets that much and you know that's something I've learned you know the last 40 
15 years of being uh, self-employed, you know, responsible for our own lives, you know, essentially. That's something we, a lesson that we've also had to learn. So if anyone out there is interested in the same position, it's, you know, it's difficult being married and running a business together because the people who we are in business, as opposed to uh, the people who we are in our personal lives, we're quite different people. I'm quite different in business as I am, well, not my real life, but in, in my own personal life. And so Matt is my business partner and my husband. And I, and it's, it, it works works both ways we those are very two different people if that makes sense Mm. and we talk about things very differently from a personal point of view than we do from a business point of view and you have to have um you have to be um a little bit desensitized when you're a husband and wife team in business together because there are things that we talk about and we don't agree with from a business point of view and what we have to work really really hard to do is to try not to overflow that into our personal life so if Matt and I were to have a disagreement on business we have to work really hard to make sure that that is kept within the business world and it doesn't flow into our personal life because you know it does blur the line between the two so it is definitely really challenging working with uh, your spouse or your partner or your husband or wife or whatever and it's important whilst we always said that we certainly wouldn't go all in on the same business together 100% those that can do it I congratulate them and you know but for us we we need to have separate interests interesting yeah I'm sure it is it's like you know even um it's like if you're in the same like definitely over over the covid period wasn't it there was like a record number of divorces or something because like everyone was pretty much in like always with that same person or like not there was no breaks there was no not that it's quite exactly what i'm what you were talking about with obviously decisions and stuff but even that anything when you work with someone do something too much it can get you know overwhelming and you do need to have that kind of separation of whatever extent to make sure that you know we don't sort of fall over each other in, in many of different areas but yeah i, I mean I, I know that's definitely a thing so moving on in terms of oh yeah that was what we can talk about wasn't it so you turned 50 no i'm joking 40 ah, years old the other day and we were talking about this just before the just before we started this episode about got basically one of the questions that i always ask is you know is there anything that you want to do that you haven't yet done in it can be business exclusively it could be like a bit of a business and pleasure thing where you know maybe it's like a a passion project that you want to do but now you don't need to obviously work for that sort of bread and butter money to pay the bills or whatever you you know whatever that amount is that you need you can start to focus on maybe a little bit more of a long-term goal um that is also a hobby but mixed with business or maybe there's none at all like you know I've, i've interviewed a couple of people and that is not at all what they yeah, you know, they they got no future dreams, I guess. Of you know, I, I mentioned, oh, I would love to potentially, you know, if I got made, made enough at some point, open my own tennis academy somewhere. You know, it might cost me, you know, a million or two million, not like a massive place mm-hmm. to start with. Um, but you know, if I could, if I could get to that point, it'd be fun. Like I would play tennis there, you know. But not that it would make money, but because I know that I'd I would enjoy it. And if it doesn't work, well, I enjoyed giving it a try. And and um, so that you know, because you turned forty, you were saying everything's changed in terms of what your sort of future outlook was for things and I don't know if you just wanted to share that with the people listening yeah absolutely and for me my my outlook has really changed I mean yes as you so kindly pointed out I had a bit of a milestone birthday last week and 
loads of people had been saying to me beforehand, um, oh, you know, you're going to feel different. Things are going to change. Do you think 40 is going to change you? And, you know, I've been asked that question a few times in my life uh, beforehand when I got married. People, it's one thing was people say to you, oh, do you feel any different now you've got married? I never felt particularly different um, as such. You know, things didn't really change with the children. Uh, They did change, but it wasn't an immediate change. Things changed over time. So I thought, well, I didn't feel any different from when I turned 30, uh, you know, 29 to 30. So why am I going to feel any different from feeling, you know, 39 to 40? But I was really surprised and it really took me by surprise because it's the first time in my life where I felt um, an immediate change on an outlook for for the future and you know I sat down and I really thought about it over the weekend that I turned 40 and I think I put my finger on it um which was to do with my life in the period of time that it is at the moment and the last 10 years when I set my goals you know I will always focus in the immediate to to short-term goals possibly up to around a year but then we also set our longer term goals for five to ten years as well um they're always kind of somewhere lodged in the back of my mind but they're never at the forefront of my mind but I do plan you know that far in the future if I can so obviously at the start of this year I planned my sort of long-term goals which which haven't really changed over the years but when I hit this kind of milestone birthday I thought to myself well things have changed things feel different now and what I put my finger on it was the last 10 years I mean you know me Luke my my kids are my my why they're my main focus they're why I do absolutely everything and over the last 10 years from the age of 30 to 40 I've been raising young children first and foremost I'm a mum that's what comes first 100% but when I turned 40 I started thinking about what my life was going to look like between 40 and 50 and big part of that my my reason for breathing my why is my children so they're actually going to go from being totally dependent on me um, over the last 10 years to it actually changing over the next 10 years where they're going to become less dependent on me and they're going to start building their own lives essentially and that was the big kind of you know change for me in thinking about it because everything I've done over the last 10 years has been about raising my kids and trying to give them the best possible life I can within that period of time and that doesn't change I always want to give my kids the best possible uh, life that I can and take them on as many experiences as possible and you know raise them uh, raise them in the in the best possible way but when I'm 50 which is in 10 years time my son will be nearly 21 um which is really scary to think about that he's going to be nearly 21 and he's going to be responsible for his own life or certainly be on his way to being responsible in his own life so how can I have exactly the same goals when my children are going to be making their own life lives in in that period of time so that's why I sat down really reflected about it and thinking okay they'll always be number one they'll always be my why for doing everything but now I have got to start thinking about things um, from mine and Matt's future point of view. And this is why you've, you know, one of the reasons links into the original question that you've asked is I have to start thinking about what happens when, when the kids are not reliant on me as much. And one of the things 
things that I've always wanted to be able to do and one of the joint goals Matt and, Matt and I have always wanted to have is to be able to kind of um, not live abroad. We don't want to move abroad, but we certainly want to be able to establish ourselves uh, with businesses, multiple streams of income that can afford us time to be able to spend abroad somewhere where we love, which is Florida in the States. And like I said, we don't really want to live there, but we certainly want to spend a considerable amount of time there in the future. And when the kids are off leading their own life, maybe three months at a time, uh, something like that. So that dynamic and that goal has had to change, you know, for me, because that kind of gone out of my head and thinking about, oh, okay, that's probably going to be something that's going to be later in our lives. But now I have turned 40, that later in my life feels a lot closer. So I've, I've had to, to change how I, my mindset on that and on my view on that. So yeah, probably being in Florida, that is, you know, that shifted up a few gears, gone up a few notches in terms of, of spending a you know time there in the future yeah i i was always like i was like oh you know it'd be good to have a place in like america a place in like you know basically a place in almost like every continent or yeah i mean i'm just trying to think of places yeah that what I, is... that I, but you know places around where i feel like you know if i just want to break um maybe i'm like a month off not a month off but you know if i want to go for a couple of months somewhere then i mean of course you can go and rent like an airbnb if you really wanted to but you know as well as an investment on the side as well i was that that'd be nice to have that flexibility and options and again like yeah when they've both left home your kids and it's just you two it's like well now now you've got no you know not that you have to but you've got no re- reason as such to stay all the time um in bournemouth it is bournemouth isn't it it's not bournemouth. yeah bournemouth yeah, yeah no absolutely. i know uh, although they are gonna aren't they merging bournemouth and pool actually i know it's going off top apparently of apparently they are um we're gonna have a super council it's at gonna be point, i think yeah bournemouth or um <laughs> i don't or- think they're changing their name though will they you know i mean that i don't know if I don't think they do it. would. No, I think it'll m- more be along the line of, you know, when Brighton and Hove. And Hove, yeah. Like Bournemouth so, and Paul. Yeah, I think we've always been known as Bournemouth and Paul Council anyway. But I think what they're doing is they want to go for city status between Paul and Bournemouth. I, I think, you know, I remember reading about it um, a little while ago. You know, we're really fortunate. We live in a lovely part of the country as well. Bournemouth's lovely. Uh, I always call it the Bournemouth bubble because everything, you know, always seems so much sunnier down here. It just seems so much, you know, not nicer because there's, you know, there's some beautiful parts of the country. But, you know, we're really fortunate that we're half an hour from the forest. 10 minutes from the beach it's it's a real hub of being able to to live this kind of entrepreneurial lifestyle there's a lot of entrepreneurs down here a lot of people living and running lifestyle businesses so it seems to fit in nicely um with what we do for sure but yeah that's definitely part of the future being able to you know spend some more time and it's also there's always method to you know madness there's always method to my madness and everything that I do and you know even if I don't immediately know it but one of the reasons why we uh, set it up and started trying to sell in the states um, for the private label product in America is also that opportunity that if we do want to spend some time in the states um, in the future that we will have a local business that we can run um, in in the US as well so selling on Amazon selling on Amazon.com is a no-brainer really because we can build up and you know and sell in the local currency 
as well there. So we don't have to worry about changing money over if we didn't have if we didn't want to. You know, we're already set up nicely to be able to kind of just slot into life um, and come and go as we please. So, yeah, uh, when we originally set up to sell in the US, I didn't know which direction we were going to go down. And I know that we will also start arbitrage at some point in the US as well, because how fun will that be? You know, when me and Matt, are, you know, in our 50s running around Walmart in Florida flipping stuff on amazon you know that's it'd be interesting to see like the evolution of like the arbitrage scene yeah because like, i was talking to luke filer and i said to him you know even though we're doing what we're doing in the back of our minds we all kind of know that it won't last forever and it may and as in the arbitrage will always last forever mm. as in buying and selling will last forever but the way we see it at the moment with what we are doing well even if it's something even if we've gone with the flow and adapted it won't be what we see it as now like in, in 10 years 20 years whatever it is be interesting just to be like even if we're currently still doing the the ver the, the updated version of however it matures in the market you know um it just be interesting to think and compare like you know how it is because i always think you know it, and it doesn't mean it's not going to last another five years as it is or 10 years it could just you know there's no there's no way to put your, your finger on that um but i always see it as that also you don't want to as it currently stands also like think it's going to last that way forever it'd be interesting to see how it does evolve um obviously the buying and selling is is there's not much you can really evolve you buy it and you sell it somewhere else and then you make some money in between but the way that they i don't know it's, you know do you reckon it could even be just like a, a it might not even be amazon it could be amazon but like a worldwide you know like platform and it's everything shipped and like within three days you know depending on like i don't know I'm, I'm just trying to think of something interesting you know where like there's global shipping within like 24 hours or something within 20 mm. 30 years i mean it's not impossible but yeah. I believe that will be the future, to be perfectly honest. You're absolutely right in the sense that in 10 years' time, online arbitrage, the model as we know it as it stands at the moment, will not exist in the same form. I've got no doubts about that whatsoever. Will there always be an opportunity for the basic of arbitrage, which is to buy, you know, arbitrage essentially is to buy something low and sell it high and make the profit in between? So that will always exist. That will exist until the end of time. It's one of the, the basic basics of uh, human function in terms of interesting sorry i'm going over the top mm. but interesting even you know let's say that the space exploration um people going and doing stuff like that you know, is interesting people will bring back you know stuff they might buy it off someone for nothing and come down and go to a market store and be like oh there's space rocks yeah some moon five rock. quid five quid a rock <laughs> or ten you know and like, they basically picked up like a massive sack for like 50 quid like a huge yeah. you know like it's just rubble isn't it <laughs> and they you know that, that's to say all you know all, all things that are from places they're still going to be yeah they'll always be there always be the opportunity for arbitrage but you know you and i have been in the amazon game for pretty much the same amount of time and you know when we sit back and reflect on it over the last five six years uh when you actually sit down and think about it you imagine how much it's changed since we first started but i also don't think of the back of it, when i think oh has it changed i'll be like mm, a bit but not that much that, that's that's my initial reaction because i kind of forget mm. you know I, I all i really remember is that the gating's changed a bit it was a little bit easier to do stuff um you didn't get your account taken away so quick and there wasn't <laughs> as many checks but roughly buying and selling the stuff is 
like you know for example a lot of that disney stuff that i was selling four years ago it's probably still there now selling okay and it's like so like you know so it's not like it's like everything has changed in that sense i just find i think i know it's like the little things obviously add up i don't know that's just the way i i probably don't review you know i'm probably quite bad at reflecting i kind of i'm kind of in the moment now you know more than more than i am like reflecting on things yeah absolutely and i i think that when i look back and think about how much changed and i've talked about this previously as well is i was essentially running an arbitrage account on uh toys in a very niche area of toys i didn't sell anything but toys for the first you know two and a half years three years of selling on amazon now that's pretty unsustainable you wouldn't really be able to do that so much now unless you were fully sourcing um from wholesalers and could be guaranteed um the supply or you know the chain of supply in terms of getting those declaration of conformities and you know having a provable supply chain in terms of ip claims and inauthentic claims and things like that so there are people that still only still sell toys but it's become more unsustainable for those reasons and yeah I think probably it was the 80-20 rule for me back then 80% of the stuff that I was selling was definitely you know toys and it was bringing uh, you know it was it was just that's when toys just sold for huge amounts of profits it wouldn't it would not be unreasonable to buy a set of Lego uh, put that set of Lego on and get like 120% ROI and get like 20 30 pound profit uh for each time you sold it i don't know if you remember those days luke but they were the good old days i kind of remember it and i kind of don't because i don't think because I, I initially thinking of it i initially started selling secondhand goods mm. and basically if you didn't really care that you lost you're going to lose your account you could do it now um but it's like you know it could last a year it could last a month because someone could say something's faulty or it's not because I, I even had an inauthentic um complaint pretty much after about three months of selling on Amazon mm-hmm. for like a Nintendo Wii controller that was not an in basically it wasn't Nintendo it was like wrong brand or something and it could have been because like you know there were very 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 similar like nunchucks and controllers that almost look identical but it's just no Nintendo mark on the center uh, and I could have just got yeah I could have overlooked it um, because obviously what I was doing is just buying bulk lots secondhand half time it was just bits and bobs of everything you know some real some uh, not fake but you know some different branded items I was cleaning them up obviously bubble wrapping them just selling them separately so a nunchuck for like eight quid uh, like a controller for like 15 quid and I was just buying and like you know Mario game for 20 quid but I was just buying a bulk lot for like 50 pounds and you get like 10 games 20 games three controllers the console itself and I literally was just doing that and half the time it was and then, and then I started going and picking up Lego so I remember I bought I picked up from where did I get Salisbury like it was I'm just trying to remember what it was now it was the Eiffel Tower I believe Um, and it was like you sells for like I think I sold it for like 400 and 500 pounds I can't remember what it was now but I just basically bought it brand new for like 225 quid uh, basically a woman that just didn't want to she was like saving it or collecting it or whatever she was doing mm-hmm. with it uh, but then wanted to get rid of it because it was too big and she wanted to you know to be there for too long or something and it was perfect condition I'll just bang it in yeah I did have to drive there but that was like 45 minutes each way 
all I've got to do is hand over the cash. It's not that much effort. Went home and I think I made like 150 quid on it, like basically the next day, as, as soon as it booked in. And I was doing, so I was doing a lot of that, which is kind of like, yeah, there was a bit of labor involved with it, but I was getting 150 quid, basically just driving to Salisbury and back. And I didn't really mind, you know, some people hate it, but I didn't really mind driving. That That's not really working as such, you know, more than anything. Well, I wasn't going around like retail arbitrage, like scanning, you know, it was just like have some music on in the car, drive somewhere, hand over the cash, bomb back, wrap it up, send it in. Yeah, and I used to do quite a lot of that kind of thing uh, along the along with the second hand. So, but I only really I only think I did that for about far four months. So, but the profit was insane. Like you could do ten grand in sales, and you could make four grand, five grand. Yeah. Like oh, you didn't, you know, you like every month you didn't. And, and yeah, there was time, but I was working a full time job as well. So really, that like, there was for me that was like you could just do like, you could just do that forever. It's kind of like the or you know as long as it lasts because it was just like yeah, you had to go and like clean stuff up and all that. But you're working full time, making like four or five grand, and it, you know if there's a crazy amount of sales but obviously at some point i had to slowly transition um it'd be interesting to see if i had to do it all again and i and i, and I in, basically i started off with that save retail arbitrage how like, it'd be a good challenge i think as well actually not that you know that's a very very committed challenge to someone to do that but yeah they basically you know even if it was like a I don't know how you could do it. I'm trying to think if there's a way you could do it. Like, obviously, you'd have to sell it on a on an account. Yeah, what you could do is you could just sell those items and track them. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if you did, you know, because I used, I remember some of the retail arbitrage halls. And, like, I would, you know, like, I think Asda were, like, getting rid of some of their entertainment sections. And stuff was, like, 80% off. And it was just everything. And it was like, okay, I'll take 30 of those. And it was just, like, just drive to the next Asda. Then there were staples that closed down or whatever they were. At one point, they changed the name. I bought loads of these, like, Disney radios and, like, a couple of different versions just went literally went around the whole of hampshire and like wherever i you know and it was just like okay i just made that you know all that profit in one day's driving is like 800 quid and, but i you know and that happened quite a lot that you know not like it was every day but you know it, and i don't know how i would fare now again i might have, i might have forgotten the tricks of the trade as well um i i think it's just pure determination and consistency with ra and you know finding the, the deals and then rinse and repeat matt and i often talked about you know when we discovered RA was when we literally my son was probably three or four when we first kind of discovered it uh we didn't take any action on Amazon we knew about Amazon probably for about a year before we started selling on Amazon and Matt told me about the uh retail arbitrage it was retail arbitrage he discovered first of all and I just couldn't get my head around it I was like so what you're telling me that if you go into a shop you, you scan something and then you'll sell it on Amazon for more than you could buy for it in Tesco yeah my my friend used to have the same he it was like dumbfound he was just like shocked it was it wasn't like confusion it was shock yeah well i didn't believe that. uh it was, uh, well shock and confusion yeah it was like but why would people buy it for more money well like, I've always, <laughs> yeah i've always been a bargain hunter so for me i didn't really understand that i will find the best possible price and you know that's why retail arbitrage and online arbitrage suited me so much at the time because i was always hunting for the best price you know trying to squeeze as much profit out of each possible item and it's what you know caused me to uh, definitely be able to uh, you know find good items on the arbitrage side of things um, but my initial reaction when Matt suggested I poo-pooed him you know I was sort of like almost laughed in his face and I was like don't be so ridiculous and Matt actually and this is what we we're talking about about having separate businesses and Matt sort of almost had to prove it to me not because like oh my god I don't believe you don't be so you know like he, he had to prove it to me but Matt was almost like oh, okay 
okay, well, if, if you don't believe me, or if you don't believe this is possible, I'm going to show you. And he intended to do that, but then he actually fell into something else where we're selling wholesale items on Amazon, first of all. And we ended up going down that route. And it was only because he made so much selling these wholesale items on Amazon, which were hot tub filters over a summer. And uh, that's when I saw the true power of Amazon. And then when we went back uh, after the summer and once the demand had really died down for these particular items he was like okay should we have a look at this arbitrage side of this should we have a look at this retail arbitrage side of things and I don't know if you know I probably would have said it again at the time I probably would have been like nah it doesn't sound like it's right but I'd seen the power of Amazon and I'd seen how much Amazon was outselling eBay at the time because we were selling on eBay and I was just sort of like oh sorry not we weren't selling on eBay at that time previously sold on eBay and so yeah that's where it kind of went from there but I always said it was really funny when we discovered um, retail arbitrage of what you what you're saying about and and being able to make a good living doing it me and Matt always talked about what would be really funny is if we didn't have young children at the time which we did you could make actually I think a really good living uh, if you're a husband and wife team or a partner team or whatever and you literally have got one of these camper vans and you go around the country just continually picking up RA deals, uh, discovering them, doing your research and then renting every single shop in an area. You stay in that area. Uh, you enjoy uh, being in that area, you know, for, for a little while. You pack your stuff off. You drop it at the UPS, the local UPS site. And then you move on to a different area like the following week. We always said, wow, what a great business, lifestyle business that would be. There was someone I used to watch on YouTube right at the beginning when I, I know started. Who you is it a guy in America? Yeah, I, I probably mentioned this before, and he basically. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, actually. Uh, yeah, I, know, just, I know exactly just, for, just for everyone else as well. Um, and he basically, at one point, he I think I'm not, I think he rented, but he basically decided that for. I believe a month, but maybe it was longer. All he was going to do is basically just do retail arbitrage, but he didn't have a place to live. Yeah. And he was just, you literally, at the last minute, he had this app and at like seven o'clock at night, he was going on the app and he was looking for basically the cheapest hotel or motel or whatever, you you know, whatever in the area, uh, roughly where he was going, the direction. And he would pick up like $20 rooms here, wherever it ended up being. And it, and he basically just lived like that. And he literally had a printer uh, and obviously the stuff from that day in his car and he'd go up to his room Room, print out the labels label them and then literally just drop it off half the time they had like a ups drop-off point like at the hotel or next to the hotel or something uh like a shop and they'd just go and do that and then just the next day again and he so he didn't actually have any rents i guess i wonder how much you could actually let's see uh, let's just do like a rough calculation let's just say you had 800 pound rent uh and that you divide that by about 30 quid so you've got like 26 pounds 60 a day i mean that is quite tight I think you can do it. I think you could do it. And what you were talking about, the thrifting side of thing beforehand. And this is why I was really struggle when people say, oh, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people say, oh, if you had to start over again, if you had to do this, if you had to do that. And I always, I'm a personal believer in as long as you take action, as long as you just get on with it, that there's always a way to make money. You know, even, even if you have no experience whatsoever. And this is why arbitrage will never die um, because there are so many funnels and there are so many platforms to be able to sell anything 
everything essentially and if you are really savvy and if you are someone who is who just loves a bargain um then you can you can scour gumtree and facebook marketplace and ebay and all these different places and car boots and you will always be able to find stuff to be able to sell for a profit it just really depends what what level of work you're you're willing to put into it you're always it's even for example like so i've seen it here like there's a shop that's just open well it's a shop but it's not a shop it's kind of like more a showroom um and it's got fridges so they just it's actually just the, like round the corner from here um and they have secondhand fridges you can you can see you can see the secondhand um nothing wrong with it but you know and they have a little office there and you sometimes see them like wheeling in their cars at night when it's cl- like eight o'clock at night because i walk past there you'll see like basically a guy or two guys like unloading fridges uh from like you know like a, like a whatever people carry or something uh one or two at a time and, and add, add, you know they're just wheeling it into the office mm. and they're all they're doing they're doing they're literally just getting secondhand fridges probably for free or pretty cheap and they're banging it in there cleaning it up and selling it for more it's like yeah it's, you know and, and they do it they're clipping you know, they're clearly clear and it's new, a new place so i'm thinking and um it doesn't look you know there's no fancy stuff in there it's just a handful of fridges, like 20 fridges and you can kind of see that you know they're di- but they're doing it in the evenings and stuff as well so you can kind of tell it's like more of a new thing i think it doesn't mean it's not doesn't mean it is sorry um because they're, they're doing it from their cars and they're doing it like at eight or nine o'clock at night you know if they just because they haven't yeah. having to do it when they're not actually in the daytime working at the office and it's like and and these days there's definitely the bigger things like i when i moved out of my uh, flat a couple of years ago i got rid of like an oak wardrobe that i had for ages but my dad bought like for really expensive and i gave it away for like 30 quid like i don't even know what it's worth like to buy it, it probably costs a couple of hundred uh or you know at least in the hundreds at some point and then it's i, I it's more wanted it gone because like i was like first how the hell am i going to get it out myself i'm on the second floor of a flat and like it's just me I could get my dad or something but he had a bad back and then i had like the fridge and i had this you know it's like just I, if you just came and then like i closed my eyes and then it was all gone like that's <laughs> that's kind of like the dream like mm. if basically there's no cost to me but i can close my eyes and open my eyes and it's there, not there anymore then as long whatever happens in between you can do whatever you want with the stuff that's like what i'm looking for and it's like it's so easy to find things now that are basically free or cheap uh, it doesn't oh, have to be heavy right. but that's just an example of what i what i thought at the time i was like the hassle you know like i'll spend a day just basically moving it all and it's like what a waste of a day and i don't want to not only a day but it's gonna i'll be absolutely knackered could like muck my back up or something you know i don't know because there was just these really it was just like a terrible position it was like second floor but no lift and like spiral sort of outdoor staircase it was you know it was it wasn't easy um and i was just like you know let's just get rid of that any and and so luckily i ended up just half of it got basically taken or chucked away and then the other half i had to i just got my brother to help me but you know if, if i could have just found a company that would basically just you know do that for no cost but they can basically take it that would have been perfect maybe there is maybe there is those but well maybe that's not a bad idea uh well i think dumpster diving and um you know being able to set up a business with collecting stuff that people are just willing to get rid of i think it's a an amazing idea really good business opportunity i know someone that does it uh does very well out of it i i don't know if you call it salvaging or whatever but um i think if you're prepared to do it and you're happy doing it then there's the opportunity and i think we've got to remember the world has changed over the last 18 months um we have all been sat in our homes uh 
being used to having stuff delivered to us. The government has paid, uh, you know, 90% of the population to sit indoors and, you know, do nothing essentially, but have online shopping, teaching your kids from home and having goods delivered to you. Um, We've personally, I think, become a lot lazier over the last 18 months. So I think for the people who are looking for a convenient option of getting rid of stuff like I said arbitrage will always exist in in that form 100% yeah it's it'd just be interesting to see the only thing I the only, I don't know why I keep bringing this up because a couple of times I mention it but um it's like I always thought that you know creating goods in a factory and then like transporting them and it takes time and energy and like people salaries it's like why i because I, you know normally you got whatever it is buying and selling or whatever transporting I, I try to think like what's that like annoying thing in the middle that like you want to get rid of mm-hmm. um and i see it as like everything always has to move and i, I just and i just think in the future so even if it's i'm dead at the time it's, it's got to be like where it's, everything's just printed on site at location because i see it as a massive not only like a, a you know you want to get out because then obviously the cost goes down because there's less points there's less middlemen you know but also like for like the environment like imagine if you didn't have all these trucks and lorries and vans and delivery bit you know like yeah it might not be to your house like printer that it could just be down the road but like in terms of environmental as well like the, the amount of like a logistical movement um i don't know i, I just got fast I, I, I just thought oh if someone could come up with like a per like i know there are 3d printers now but obviously they're kind of not cut out to be <laughs> i think that's the way the world is going and we've adopted that into our business because there's two things i think is going to happen and you know that's why we've taken action in in our particular business i think you you picked up on it earlier was i think at some point in the future i'm not talking about tomorrow i'm not talking about next week i'm not even talking about next year at some point in the future, um, there will be online ordering and online shopping and everything will take the next level where you will order essentially from source. I think that there it, you'll cut out a lot of the middlemen. So you'll be ordering from manufacturers direct. There'll always be supply chains. But, you know, with, in a post-COVID world that is, high, you know, has is, is escalated uh, the decline of the high street and, you know, physical shops. And don't forget, as time goes on, you know, online shopping facilities are only going to get more innovative. We're going to start seeing more uh, VR type shops. You're going to be able to, um, you know, some of the other people talk about, you know, drone deliveries and all these different types of things. So it's only going to get even more um, innovative, which is going to, you know, leave physical shops so much further behind. That's why I'm really interested. Actually, I just thought of a really cool idea. I, I need to yeah. say it. <laughs> I know because I more because it's cool than it is like maybe well I just think it'd be so all a shop I don't know I don't know because obviously I don't know I don't know if shops would exist at this point but let's just let's just go with it so you go, you walk into a shop it is completely empty you then put on some AR glasses or VR glass basically you just pick pick up a pair of glasses you put them on and then you see the shop in virtual but you obviously still see your the overlay of the real world so you can move around mm-hmm. uh, and you can see people and stuff and then you basically go shopping and then it literally prints or creates the products because uh, at that point well you could you could probably do that stage now but at that point like they're already because obviously 3d printing is becoming it will become even something as simple as on the international space station they couldn't they, if there was a bolt that was broken they could never they couldn't do anything about it but now they print the bolts yeah so it's like yeah. it's just basically you don't have to transport it this is like the early stages of where that, that idea is from you don't have to transport it it's almost like a beaming up technology <laughs> you get what i mean because you're sending the data you're sending the bolt data maybe from like HQ on Earth to the printer to say we need this exact bolt 
print it and it's like it's like teleportation without the teleportation part and then it's printing it on demand to do exactly what you need and it's like so you don't need anything you just need a, a space and even then i don't know if you would need to necessarily walk around as such because you could kind of just like point and it would take you over to the shop yeah i don't know how you would you know maybe you just have to do it from home or something but i don't know like it's just cutting out all that waste you know people having to buy stock leave the stock in in that they've got to rent out a massive area for you to walk around people are wasting their time walking around and it disperses energy so you've got to go buy more food to eat which is like you know more consumption it's like fuel like part you know and basically it's like a million things that that involves mm. it's micro as little as it is like cleaning stuff in like a shopping center i don't know like electrics electricity bills and all that kind of thing it's like all of that you can just disappear like it's just now cl- i see it as clean like it's just like all of that's like fluff or um you know like but you're just burning through nothingness and if you can just streamline all you know all that it's like but i know some people that hate it the idea like my this is this is slightly off topic but re- a little bit relevant my mum and stepdad are like i don't know let's say my stepdad's 60 and mum's like 55 and someone said oh if you're you know my mum said oh apparently they're looking at doing some sort of drone thing so if you need a vaccination or you need some some something they can send a drone this is, this is something they've sort of thought of uh bringing in at some point obviously i haven't ever seen it recently um and they can bring a drone and you can get your injection and my mum goes oh how does how horrible would that be i'm like it's just an injection mom quicker you can get it like do you really want to try it's like yeah i want someone to be like but break it like yeah because you you've done you've not had anything different for 55 years you believe that's normal but <laughs> i just want an injection ultimately don't you is that the old is that all you isn't that what you want <laughs> like just get it done like you know who cares just break that mind that kind of like just because it's repetition obviously people do everything for like 50 years they think that has to be the way just like but okay if you can get an injection if i said it's you got an injection now done would you have it oh yeah of course i probably would well, then it's the same thing. A drone isn't going to like, you know, you don't need a personal touch. You just need something to go over your arm, like a cushion or suction to thing. Some sort of, give you an injection. You wouldn't feel it because it'd be real quick because it's like an automated thing. And then it flies away and you can, you know, you probably have to show an art. I don't know. But I was just like, that, that again, that's like another another aspect of that. You don't have to go to a doctor's surgery. Um, or everyone has like a personalized like mini doctor's surgery where it kind of 3D, I don't know why I'm going on some sort of weird 3D printing, like, <laughs> just disgusting. Like, you know, it, it, it mixes the chemicals exactly because it has like the base components for like 90% of you know uh, inject I don't know whatever and it, and it can diagnose you and it can like send I don't know cool stuff like that I, I, I'm all saying all this because it, it just sounds really cool like sci-fi like techie thing no I think you're absolutely right and I I, I think a lot of goods are going to be bought at source in the future like I said not tomorrow not next week not shit not next year you know sort of 10 years in the future Um, but as you know we've recognized that we've uh, recently invested in our own business you know spent a good five figures into you know bringing some manufacturing equipment into our business so we can be responsible for our own fate a little bit more uh the world supply chain is still very much broken as a result of covid and a few other different things as well um so you know one thing that we wanted to be able to do this q4 is capitalize on that and to be able to be in control of our own fate if there's one thing that we've learned from every single q4 that we have had you know over the last five six years is 
that we always run out of stock. We always run out. We, we're never in a position where we're overstocked over Q4. Of course, I'm talking about our own products here. Uh, you can always be overstocked for arbitrage products, uh, you know, for different reasons. But um, one thing we wanted to be able to do is to be that source, to be able to manufacture our own products. Now, I'm not talking about we haven't created like a huge factory where we're manufacturing our own products, but we are in a position and these products are going to be launched in the next couple of weeks uh, once the end of the summer happens so we can capitalize of that you know increased demand over Q4 we are going to be in charge of our own destiny a little bit for the first time in the sense that we're not going to be reliant on supply um, these products that we're going to be creating ourselves we can create them ourselves um, so yes there is a material aspect uh, involved so there's me saying this oh we're not reliant on anyone else we're reliant from a material point of view but they're readily available materials so um, that that shouldn't be an issue and you know we've invested heavily in stock and supply and things like that so um yeah we just want to be in charge of that because we have like you recognized things change things are changing things have changed and you know the world has changed over the last 18 months um and there are big opportunities big gaps in the market for the people that recognize them and you know take advantage of that actually something random pops to my head again i don't know sometimes i just get onto a flow of random stuff i saw a it's been around as you know, you've probably seen it in news a handful of times but these companies looking to go you know zero waste net mm. zero carbon emission you know whatever all of these zero things like basically where there's just not it's this is nothing and i was like in the future at some point everything that ever gets done everything literally has like it, there's no impact or anything like even you know even something as simple as like you know if you buy lots of stock but you're overstock and it expires like in theory it might be eaten or something but you you know it might go to la like landfill or and it's like in, you know even if it's some stuff wouldn't happen it, there's going to be waste there's waste to some extent there and it's like if yeah. everything's literally to the perfect so literally the product is only created and ships at point of purchase or, or sale um there's no waste because nothing is exists until it's purchased and because it's so fast from getting it produced to getting it shipped that you know that there's no like well as little as possible basically there's no like i'm not going to be left with five grand of thorntons that we're going to have to just bin or something you know <laughs> that's my example um <laughs> the same with businesses like all businesses will literally like you know all like the heat and energy won't be wasted for example it will be collected back and then used to power other things or whatever and it's like i'd see that because obviously that's like a big thing these days isn't it pushing like yeah renewable energy and no emissions like planets warming up you know and it's only going to get more as as it gets worse i guess it's only going to get more intense in terms of like it's also seen as a good pr thing isn't it as well um to say that, that your company or whatever does that so there's another aspect yeah, there's, there's many different layers to it i think at some point as well like most companies will be at a so then i thought wouldn't it be amazing that you could overlay an interface or a business or system where you can link everything up and it then like maximize i don't know how you would do that but i just thought like a almost like a consultancy company that comes in but it could be a software or like an a AI. you give it you give you basically input everything and it like manages all that and obviously that could lead to like costs and savings and stuff you know it'd be it just analyze i don't know i, just, I get i get caught up in all these fantasies sometimes <laughs> 
Well, I think there's always an opportunity. There's always an opportunity to consult. There's always opportunity when you have a certain level of knowledge and that knowledge becomes in demand. It's a little bit like, um, you know, selling on Amazon. If you've been doing it for some time and been doing it successfully, then there's always going to be a market to show other people how to do it um, and to charge for that knowledge. You know, people, some people like to learn on their own. Some people like to find it all out on their own. Uh, some people uh, like to take the fast track and be able to to learn in a big bulk. There's no right or wrong way. And, you know, that will always exist for all elements. And, you know, the agenda that people are really pushing for, you know, the governments of the world and uh, the WHO and the World Health Organization, all these different organizations or whoever they are, you know, climate change is one that they're really, really pushing at the moment. And, you know, I don't want to get political or anything like that whatsoever. But whilst there is always a big agenda being pushed, again, there will always be people making money out of that. There's no doubt about that. Anyway, otherwise, we're going to be spending hours on this podcast one final question yeah i don't know how long this will actually take to answer but interesting (laughs) question as well is uh do you ever see yourself like kind of having like what you would call like a traditional retirement uh you know like i say 65 you've like whatever the age is that you've sort of think of as a retirement age do you think right yeah gonna do that and then that, that i'm just gonna not do anything and i don't know go shopping and cook and you know <laughs> whatever whatever retired people i'm sure they do a lot more than that but you, you know what i'm trying to get at do you do you see yourself doing that or do you see yourself maybe doing 50 50 winding it down or just or just sort of getting to a point where you know you might have a lot of businesses kind of like where you're not directly involved like day to day in in terms of like you know having to be at a place doing stuff so that you so really you don't need because of that you can just carry on at that point um because it doesn't really feel like you're actually working like a you know i say a job as such that's a really interesting question and again one i've been thinking um more about lately after you know turning 40 and having this milestone uh certainly i think there will always be a time in your life where you do have to kind of give up the ghost and say oh okay i'm not going to do this anymore i don't see us having a traditional retirement as in like you said you know finishing at 65 and you know becoming gardeners and you know doing what our yeah, grandma, my grandma and granddad did that like yeah, perfectly. they yeah. literally they were every day in the garden with all the equipment like the knee pads and yeah, they had a massive garden and they were just doing that every day having people around tea uh, having afternoon tea <laughs> they're a bit they're yeah. very, they, they... i i know i definitely can't see that but what i want to be able to enjoy and this 100 percent um you know is linked into these plans that i'm making over the next 10 years to be able to facilitate to do that is um it will always be multiple streams of income um i don't believe in passive multiple streams of income i don't think passive streams of income exist as such there is always an an, an element of you know involvement that's needed um for streams of income but i do believe that certain things can be outsourced and there are parts of my business especially some of the stuff that um matt does on his website side of things that we'll be looking to outsource some of the account management that we do um we'll be looking to outsource some of that um and those businesses are always businesses that providing you stay at the forefront of the you know the things that are changing on amazon there's no reason why they ever have to have um, an an end date providing Amazon still exists 
And like I said, Matt and I have always kind of been able to evolve into different kind of areas. Do I think we'll always be involved in Amazon? Yes, while it exists, absolutely. But never say never to to anything else. But our big focus over the next 10 years, multiple streams of income. So when it does come to that point in our life, like I said, my kids would be off, you know, living their own lives. But then what I want to be able to do for my children later on in life, and this might be more my goals between 50 and 60, as opposed to, um, you know, 40 to 50. Well, I hope so anyway, is being able to offer my kids the security of having grandparents around for their children. You know, so I can say to my kids, yeah, we're just going to pop over. We're going to take the kids to Florida for a few weeks. You know, you carry on. We'll take the kids. We'll do this. We'll do that. And then also we actually, uh, I mentioned it earlier, living in Bournemouth, we, we've got a lot of friends that live entrepreneurial lives as well. So I think being in a position to be able to enjoy our lives um, later on is definitely something that we need to set ourselves up for now. So I don't see us having a traditional retirement. um, But Matt read a book a few years ago, which resonated with me really well. I didn't read the book myself, but he he told me about it. And I've always kind of agreed with this is that you don't have, you know, you don't save all your time for retirement later on. Um, Matt lost his dad um, at a really early age. And my granddad died about three weeks after he retired, you know, been waiting all his life for retirement. He had a massive heart attack about three weeks after he officially retired. Life is too short. So, you know, this book focused on um, taking mini retirements throughout your life. And again, that's something that um, we will 100% have done over the last 10 to 15 years and will continue to do in the future. So if I didn't if I didn't want to work for three months tomorrow, if I just said to everyone, I mean, I've got commitments, obviously, things like that, that we do on a consistent basis and clients and, you know, people we work with and that type of thing. But technically, if I wanted to not work tomorrow for a year, I, you know, we could do it. It wouldn't be an issue if we wanted to. But it's to. more about like, yes, and like, you know, you could do it. I could probably do it. I, I haven't even thought about it, but, you know, but then when I come back, I'm yeah. not going to have like anything as such, you know, like, like as in I won't be like, okay, guys, right. So me and Natalie had a year off, but Elite Academy is back on and it's like no one would ever Yeah, no one again. would be there. Like <laughs> someone else would have opened up something, you know, like personally, I always believe that our Elite Sellers Academy is the best. And I think we deliver, you know, uh, amazing knowledge and, and everything that we do on there. So I think someone would struggle to fill that void, but it's not impossible you know, someone could set it up and they're not, no one's going to wait around for us for a year. So you have to stay consistent in the things that you do. Um, most definitely. Um, but yeah, traditional retirement, I can't see it happening. And like I said, that, that thing earlier, um, especially if we're going to be in America, because what I noticed about Americans is, um, that here we've got this kind of thing, this idealization, I suppose, or, you know, like you said, your granny and your granddad in the garden, doing the gardening with their knee pads, drinking their afternoon tea, etc. But in America, it's very different. A lot of older people, um, some people don't start businesses until their 60s in their um, in the US. And they're very entrepreneurial. I don't know if it's the American dream or whatever. Um, but Matt's been to like loads of conferences. And you know, 50% of the people in these conferences are over 60 and things like that, because maybe they're at that point in their life where they want to start something new or they want to start something different so I think if we end up spending more time in America as well I don't like I said 
you can never say never, but I don't think we'll ever stop and just never do anything until we're physically or mentally unable to. Mm. Or, 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 or you, you, you know, all you've got to do is log in every day. Yeah. Well, not even log in, grab your phone. Well, the idea. Go on Slack or whatever and, you know, yeah. basically just get the daily report or whatever you have. Just check it over, make sure everything's ticking nicely. Maybe input like, yeah, proceed. <laughs> like, you know, some yeah. basic, it basic commands and that's it you know like that's not working as such so like you, you you would look at someone doing that and think they're just check, like messaging their dad or something and it's like you'd, you're just doing that in the morning first thing you know having a little bit of a back and forth for two seconds or five minutes and, and that's your and, and it may be now and then you've got to get involved just you mm. know by chance but yeah the ideal for us would obviously be but we would only do it if the kids wanted to do it is you know whatever businesses we're running at the time that the kids can take over them run them for us and they can take over and just you know give us a little bit of uh uh, the profit on top to live our lives or whatever so well it'd be dividend uh, wouldn't it yeah so you get paid yeah dividend. dividend whatever but like I said with the but the kids I can't see that happening because my son wants to be an artist he wants to be an animator and apparently uh it does does change daily but my daughter wants to be a vet at the moment so a what a bed a, or bear a vet oh I said bed and bear which is yeah. non-existent jobs but <laughs> well she wanted a few a few months ago she just was dead set on being a princess so uh it's not out of the realms of possibility nice well yeah i mean i think i was as probably most boys or a lot of boys like an astronaut i think it was astronaut well that could be a reality now well the funny thing about this actually which is you know it's kind of like one of those really stupid things that it's like so uh richard branson did not go above this crimea line that 100 kilometers or something above the up basically he went like 71 or something um but you get the you, you get the experience without going going as high as you need to go kind of thing mm. um and then when uh jeff bezos went up he went to like a, i think it was a, basically he went to that line or whatever it is yeah he passed. and that's why they, yeah but then the us was like nope we're changing it again because um basically i'm like hang on you don't own like the whole of the space uh, whole of the space how do you determine like what is the us have i i thought it was just bizarre that they would even go like no we're changing it now and saying it's like i didn't realize you like you made the rules of like where it was as such like can't it just be wherever the hell they want it to be <laughs> like you know I, I understand there's technicals behind it but to have it out of line and then go actually we've amended it to about 112 or some or 108 kilometers or something yeah because they, because they, because they just didn't, you know, because they're like, oh no, so they're not astronauts. It's like, I know, just let the people I'm, go I'm to space and do what the hell they like. Like, just get on with it. Like, <laughs> eventually, someone's gonna, you know, in 10, 10 years, okay, now what? You're gonna go, oh no, it's, now it's one hundred and fifty-six. Because it's like, who cares? <laughs> Ultimately, who really cares? Like, just let them go and do what they want. And you know, if they want to call themselves an astronaut, call themselves an astronaut. But yeah, I just thought it was funny. No, definitely, I think if you can see, if you go up in a spaceship or whatever it is, rocket, I don't know, and you can see the curvature of the Earth below you and you can see stars and dark sky above you you're in Ashton. although you cannot see the curvature of the earth at a, a thousand a hundred oh, kilometers up you, oh, okay. no because it, it the way that they describe this is how roughly it works imagine putting like uh, yeah imagine a mi getting a globe like you know in your hands and, and then you're a millimeter above the earth so like if you literally a, a millimeter in size like away from like a, i don't know an inflatable earth like you're so close to it still that you cannot see um mm. and so I, I guess really you have to go i mean out of the well you can get out of the 
atmosphere easy, but obviously, like, the Earth has a massive gravitational pull, so it's going to take a good while. Like, even the moon, well, at some point, they're going to be like, no, you're not in space because the moon, because you're still in gra- Earth's gravitational, like, uh, field. Because obviously, the moon is actually. So, so, how far do you have to go, like, you know, to get even some of the, uh, the, 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 the rocks and stuff, like, outside of Pluto are still getting pulled by the sun? But anyway, that's another topic. We have, we have been, this is the longest one I've done. <laughs> of course, it was going to be the longest one. <laughs> it was with me. You know, I, I find it impossible to, uh, to yeah say things briefly but yeah one thing i can say is uh we've talked about this before there's definitely no space travel for me my feet will be definitely staying firmly on the ground either here in what what, what if it's nice you know it's like first class virgin galactic you got a nice cocktail on the way up no not interested not interested not until they have been doing it for you know 30 years i don't yeah i was just trying to think how long because, like, you know, when you look no, back... Maybe at the, 10 years. Maybe 10 When you years. look back at, the, like, 1960s, 1950s, the planes that they flew, it's like... Yeah. They look a bit like... Like, they, they look okay, but compared... You know, they haven't really changed. No, they haven't, but they haven't. But, I don't know, like, I think they have probably have in terms of, like, the safety of yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, rather than, like, just the, 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 the engines. But I, I I sometimes look at them. I think there's a film. Was it, like, Pan, Pan Air or something? Or something Pan like, related to Pan, Pan and Am. It had, like, Leonardo DiCaprio in or something. Oh, The Aviator. Oh, maybe it was. And he, like... And they go bust in the end, do they? Or he tries to get a job there or something. He, yeah, he owned PWA. He owns- and he ends up photocopying like a like a little past or like a, like a I don't know. Oh God, I think you're confusing the two films. For catch oh. me, catch me. No, I'm not. Can. I'm not doing catch me if you can. I know that he's in <laughs> that. I've seen that a million times. No, he's in the Aviator. He was he was the entrepreneur Howard Hughes and um, Pan Am um, controlled all of transatlantic flight. No one else was allowed to fly over the Atlantic apart from Pan Am. And when he bought TWA, he fought against them to be able to to take on part of that. But yeah, he was an aviator as well. So he invented lots of planes and, you know, things like that. He did loads. He had a really interesting life. Um, but yeah, good film. One of my favourite films, actually, funnily enough. Anyway, to wrap this up, Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if people are interested in finding out more about you, I know that you don't have a direct website or anything like that, but if no. they are just interested in, I don't know, where you post content or where I hang out, whatever <laughs> you want to say, basically, to that. Uh, yeah. where or how can they get in contact with you well i do my content directing which is my high kicks and my splits um in the secret wealth project facebook group predominantly that's where i hang out and i talk about uh stuff relating to amazon so uh if you want to find me anywhere uh that would be the place to find me so uh just search secret, secret wealth project on uh facebook and you should be able to find us on there perfect anyway thank you for joining me today it's been good good fun um and yeah i guess at some point maybe you can come back on again if you're lucky i don't know what to oh, oh well you know if you can fit me in your busy schedule absolutely but thank you so much for having me yeah it's been uh, yeah my first podcast experience and i thoroughly enjoyed it anyway see you all later everybody i uh, hope you enjoyed it and i'll see you on the next one bye <laughs>